In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. Welcome to this, the sixth in the series of Crossing Over the Bridge at In Discussion. The panel today, scientist Dr. Brian O'Leary, Dr. Rodney Soto, advocate Mary Lee Orr, and Captain Louie. Reaching for solutions. In the aftermath of the Deepwater Horizon human and environmental disaster. Dr. Brian O'Leary is a scientist, philosopher, with 50 years of experience in academic research, teaching and government service in frontier science and energy policy. He was a NASA scientist astronaut during the Apollo program, the first to be selected for a planned Mars mission and participated in unmanned planetary missions as an Ivy League professor. Over the past four decades, Dr. Brian O'Leary has been an international author, speaker, peace activist, founder of non-profits, and advisor to progressive U.S. Congress members and presidential candidates. His latest book, The Energy Solution Revolution, describes the enormous potential of breakthrough clean energy technologies, their suppression, and their logical necessity for our survival. Zero-point vacuum energy cold fusion, and advanced hydrogen and water chemistry could indeed provide us all an abundant future for all of humanity. Dr. Rodney Soto was originally born in Ecuador and migrated to the United States in 1989 after completion of his medical school. In the United States, he's trained in internal medicine at the Catholic Medical Center of Brooklyn and Queens in New York City and then performed three years of residency training in neurology at the Medical University of South Carolina. He then completed two additional years of fellowship training in vascular and critical care neurology at the Comprehensive Stokes Center at UAB. He's board certified in general and vascular neurology and specializes in the treatment and prevention of cerebrovascular disorders and is knowledgeable on neurodegenerative diseases of the nervous system. He is actively involved in pursuing solutions following the Deepwater Horizon disaster in the Gulf of Mexico. Mary Lee Orr is one of the co-founders of the Louisiana Environmental Action Network for most of its 19 years. She became an activist when her youngest son was born with a respiratory illness. She coordinates member groups, boards, and staff activities, and organizes member groups' participation in public hearings, coordinating its media strategies on the local, state, and national level, and also serves as the environmental community's voice with local, state, and federal agencies. A recent EPA report credits the Louisiana Environmental Action Network with giving a voice to the people concerned about releases of toxic chemicals from local facilities. Mary Lee Orr attributes her motivation to the constant positive pressure from the members, board and staff to hold polluting facilities accountable. And my fourth guest, Captain Louie, is native to Louisiana, charting back many generations. They've created a sustainable living from working in commercial and recreational fishing until the Deepwater Horizon disaster. The Gulf of Mexico has served as the basis of their income in diverse ways through oil rig operations and the charter fishing industry. Prior to the Deepwater Horizon disaster, he and his family were in good health, a story that has now changed dramatically. He experiences regular migraine headaches, stomach pains, kidney and prostrate problems. His entire family experience ongoing fatigue and joint pains. 
Since December 2010, they have visited their local hospital and doctors have indicated that they are unable to find the source of the problem. During this time, there has been no testing for toxins in blood screening and therefore they continue to experience poor health. They have two daughters who are two and three years old. The youngest at two years old is experiencing the worst symptoms repeatedly squeezing her legs together and saying constantly that it hurts. The three-year-old daughter also experiences similar symptoms. In attempting to adapt to severe conditions, he's modified equipment and boats for an environmental approach. British Petroleum have ignored these strategies, and now he continues to find ways to recover from this terrible disaster. His heart goes out to all his friends who continue to bring in oil-filled shrimp and seafood. And like many others, he pursues ways to return back to a normal lifestyle and the traditions of many generations. This program is dedicated to Captain Louis and his family and many others who have been affected following this Deepwater Horizon disaster. With the advent of new energies and scientific breakthroughs, this program brings people together to see the inspirational values and dawning of a new era for both themselves in that region and worldwide. Scientist astronaut Dr. Brian O'Leary, Dr. Rodney Soto, Advocate Mary Lee Orr, and Captain Louie. Join me on Crossing Over the Bridge. Welcome to this, the sixth Crossing Over the Bridge program at In Discussion. I would like to introduce our panel of guests today, Dr. Brian O'Leary, Dr. Soto, Mary Lee Orr, and Captain Louie. Welcome to you all. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. I would like to start, if I may, with Brian O'Leary. In Ecuador, you clearly are very engaged in the issues that we are covering today. BP and other oil companies are engaged in that area of the world as much as they are in the Gulf of Mexico. What are you seeing in terms of acceleration in the Andes in Ecuador as far as the drilling is concerned and their expansion of their projects? Well, David, uh, the, the, yes, uh, the, there's a very pressing series of issues here. First of all, of course, the uh, some of you may have, have seen that just a few days ago, a judgment was made against Chevron Texaco to the tune of $8 billion to uh, pay off the indigenous people who lived in the area, live in the area, and whose water system became totally polluted. Uh, where it's been estimated that there are roughly 10,000 deaths, mostly cancer, as a result of the uh, careless drilling and disposal uh, system that Chevron Texaco had when uh, during the 1960s and 70s. And so that lawsuit, which uh, now in which there is a judgment, of course Chevron might decide to ignore it, which means more activism is going to be necessary. But that was one milestone. And then the other one is that about 80% of the Ecuadorian and Peruvian Amazon is earmarked for oil drilling. In other words, they want to drill in the most biodiverse spot on the earth. And not only that, but that's where uh, several indigenous tribes have been voluntarily isolated. Well, if they go in there and drill there, they've already begun to, and they've already leased out many oil blocks. Uh, this basically means that uh, they're going to build roads. The deforestation rate is uh, uh, higher than anywhere in South America, 3% per year, which means that the uh, precious primary rainforest in the western Amazon will be uh, half gone in about another 20 to 30 years. So we're dealing with urgent issues to oppose this kind of action that's going on here right now. The problem is that the government of Ecuador, one-third of their income comes from oil exports. So you see the bind here. Once again, it's a question of money versus preserving the earth. It's an extraordinarily difficult situation. It's just another example of 
what's going on now is, is that the oil companies are going into increasingly precious parts of the earth, whether it's the Arctic or drilling deeper as in the Gulf or in the Amazon. The, the other side of the issue is that, I, in, in my opinion, there are truly sustainable breakthrough energy uh, concepts that could be researched that have been suppressed that could replace oil. We've got to get off oil worldwide. In the last program, we were leaning towards the environment. I believe this program, we may wish to lean towards the aftermath in terms of health issues. And before I turn to Mary Lee Orr, could I ask you, given the emerging health issues in the Gulf of Mexico, what type of issues parallel to that are you seeing in Ecuador, in South America? Well, um, as mentioned before, there, there have been uh, roughly 10,000 deaths due to cancer and many more illnesses because of the Chevron-Texaco spill. And this has happened over the past two or three decades. It's, it's a total disaster if you, if you look at the area and see what's happened and look at the lawsuit and the judgment on the lawsuit, you'll see that it's a very similar kind of situation that no matter where these things happen and the amount of toxic waste in Ecuador from the Chevron Texaco was even greater than the BP oil spill in the Gulf so you're you're talking about huge huge amounts of toxic sludge that still remains there that needs to be cleaned up and water supplies that have been contaminated causing many many cancer cases so I'm, I'm really eager to hear what's happening in the Gulf and how how we can all work together to create an advocacy for uh, sensible energy use uh, worldwide. Are there any parities or similarities, synchronicities, in the way that the oil companies in that region used materials such as the Corexit that has been used very widely in the Gulf of Mexico? Well, yeah, there are an analogies to the use of the Corexit. One is that they didn't line the, uh, the ponds where they disposed of the oil. And so it seeped into the groundwater and also seeped into the, uh, the Amazon River system. These are tributaries of the Amazon where all this happened. It's a, an area the size of Rhode Island that was basically completely devastated with people still dying from polluted water. Mary Lee Orb, you are a advocate in the Gulf of Mexico area. Given that commentary, that description by Brian O'Leary in Ecuador, you will clearly be seeing the parallels. What sort of health issues are emerging now in those areas along the coast and deeper inland? Well, thank you a lot. I've been doing this work for 25 years. I'm executive director of Louisiana Environmental Action Network and the Lower Mississippi Riverkeeper. And what we're hearing is, for me, has been unprecedented. They talk about this being an unprecedented event, and we've never experienced anything like this. And I have not personally gotten the amount of calls or the severity of symptoms that I'm hearing on a daily basis. I'm sure Dr. Soto is going to... Um, address some of that as well. So I began to get calls from people about air quality issues when they were doing the in-situ burning, when the air was blowing off the slick towards our residents along the Gulf. They were having problems with air quality, and they would call as far away as New Orleans and Hammond in Louisiana. And then we moved on to the, the fishermen themselves who were actually doing some of the cleanup work, and they would call up and say they were dizzy, vomiting, diarrhea, you name it, they said that they were suffering from it. So it's really been catastrophic in many, many ways for us. First of all, of course, we lost 11 men's lives out on that rig, and I don't want to forget that, and their families. And then we had this environmental catastrophe that moved on shore that is still affecting us today. Captain Louie, I'd like to turn to you before I defer any further to Dr. Soto, the actual complaints. Can we have your story briefly of how you have become involved in this during the event, after the event, and what the health problems have been with you and your family and others around you? Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. Um, my family's been involved in commercial and recreational fishing for you know three generations or more. 
and myself. I've been charter boat captain for years and before, and um, I work in all field. And, uh, and I've seen both aspects, and you know, the oil industry and the fishing industry has put, uh, excuse me, Louisiana on the map, so to say. And uh, you know, when we were living lives, you know, just comfortably making a living, going about our daily routines, and uh, the, when the oil spill happened, our lives kind of got uprooted again. You know, first we had Katrina, which everybody talked so much about, and that was a story in itself. But this is, uh, I think, on my opinion, is far, far worse than uh, Katrina, and it's affected many, many, many more people than, you know, any other thing that's happened down south before. Um, as a charter boat captain, my business has gone completely to nothing. Nobody's calling to go out anymore. We went out two days ago, uh, a famous spot in the Gulf that's about 60 miles out called The Lump. Usually you have 30, 40 boats out there trying to catch tuna. There was my boat and one other boat, and that was it. We caught absolutely nothing. So that was heartbreaking again because we thought it would be back you know, full swing again, because usually February, March is tuna time, you know, and it's just been devastating. Uh, my family's been affected by this in many ways. Now we're dealing with the health issues. Um, I have two little girls that have been, you know, just one one thing after another in the doctor's office. They don't know what's wrong. Myself, my wife, because we stayed in Grand Isle during the spill while I was working. I had a, you know, I did get a contract, luckily, with BP. And I uh, made pretty good money at first. Well, towards the end of the contract, BP, they weren't going to anymore. And they owe us a good significant amount of money right now. So it's really tough out of, you know, not getting that money that I worked for. Much Our charter business is pretty much shut down right now because nobody wants to fish Louisiana Wolf because of this. And then dealing with the health problems. So it's, it's been a major ordeal for my family and myself and um, affected many lives around me. And uh, good friends of mine, other family members. It's, it's a day by day process. You know, we don't know what's what's for tomorrow. Well, you know, we don't know what to expect when we wake up. Can I ask you, Captain Louis, before I offer this as a reference point for Doctor Soto, what sort of ailments? What are the conditions that you have at the moment? Fatigue is a main. You know, a lot of fatigue. Uh, having stomach problems myself, my little girls as well. Uh, just, I've never had any issues with prostate, kidneys. I mean, just one thing after another. We've been sick with flu-like symptoms since last September. And, um, we, we swam off the coast of Grand Isle before Labor Day because they told us everything was safe. My little girls were in the water. Cause, I mean, it's, we swam in the water for years. I swam in it. My grandma and him swam, you know, didn't think nothing. Everybody said the beaches were open, safe, let's go. And they opened them up for Labor Day. We got in. You know, it's just one, I really, it, it's, it's a, a compiled, uh, you know, situation with the health. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint. I'm not a medical person by no means, but, like, my stomach, like, like for instance, you know, right now, just, I, I'm in knots, in pain. They don't know what's wrong. I've been on antibiotics, been taking this. Um, I didn't have my blood work done except for the regular workup because I wasn't aware, you know, of, the contaminants that could be in my body from swimming in the water, much less being sprayed directly with Corexid when the C-130 flew overhead at night. That happened to us twice. And, you know, it just, it, they, the doctors are aren't aware of what's, what's going on. They, they hadn't faced this before. Let me turn to you, Dr. Soto, given this description of these ailments. Would you consider that there is a direct correlation, a direct connection, whether it's a physical or perhaps psychological or a combination of both to the chemicals that have been used to the conditions such as the air quality, the soil quality, the water quality? Would you say that there is definite evidence to connect all of this up? Uh, David, that's a good question. There is actually a, a wealth of information in the medical literature about the ill effects of these petroleum solvents and many other things that come along with it, including uh, pesticides or heavy metals. And among those are the neurological, immune, and gastrointestinal effects on humans that can really create a rapid deterioration of their biological systems. So all these symptoms that are being listening so far are the ones that are here 
pretty much on a daily basis from many other individuals who have been exposed in one way or another to uh, oil spill or through the cleanup efforts or even residents who are close to the beaches or who have been in the water that has been created a widespread population onset of new symptoms and conditions that doctors in general are not ready to deal with. But it's a very concerning issue for the entire Gulf Coast, I think for the entire United States, since the people is going to be ready to come here to the south for the next summer, to inform and make him aware that this is a significant health threat, because it's not just the acute effect that happens close to the exposure, but more importantly, the long-term effects from being exposed to these agents, some of them are stored in your body for a long time and can lead to many, many other detrimental issues such as brain degeneration, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, you name it. You know, This is a, uh, an unfortunately devastated event in the history of human mankind to see how people who are, have, have worked hard for their life and now were being faced with uh, the ongoing exposure to these toxins and environmental threat, and the government's not doing anything about it. This is a rather desperate situation, particularly for Captain Louis, given that he has not received the compensation that has been promised by BP. Do people have access to general practice practitioners? And even if they do, am I learning here perhaps... Dr. Soto, that doctors are not really clear or aware exactly what the symptoms are at the moment and what the the solutions are? And that's correct. You know, most conventional medical trained doctors, as myself, uh, have not spent quite a time in medical school learning about the effects of environmental risks and health for humans. And so when we're confronted to all these variety of symptoms, they connect them to the common illnesses that we've been trained for, such as the flu and, and many other conditions that they're prescribed antibiotics, which are very unnecessary. On the contrary, they depress the immune system even more. So this issue needs to be passed on not only to the regular community, but to the medical community to be more aware that patients are on a constant day-to-day basis exposed to potential volatile solvents, pesticides, PCBs, and many other sources even beyond the oil spill, if you look at every American home, we have a constant ongoing exposure to all of these agents. So it's more need for training for physicians, for healthcare providers, for the health departments to increase the awareness to the uh, medical community and to the public in general to protect themselves and to give them the tools to identify potential dangers in their homes or close to the beaches and the shore areas or the seafood that may not be safe at this point. Dr. Soto, we can consider that the air quality is poor. Can we consider that the soil conditions are also poor, in which case we are not necessarily talking about the immediate aftermath now, but we're talking about the food chain. We are talking about water, which is something that Dr. Brian O'Leary had talked about in the case of Ecuador. Would that not indicate that some sort of action should be taken to encourage people if they have the means to perhaps move away from that region in the longer term? I think that's a, a very important point and whether or not people can decide or not to do that, it will depend on how available and soon we have an independent, reliable testing of the sediment in the water, of the sands, or the seafood itself, that way we can provide that information so we can make the best decision for that. I particularly, I tell to my own patients, until that is done to, as a precautionary measure to avoid eating the seafood in the Gulf or being in close distance to the shore or the sand or the waters. And so... Ultimately, the decisions that everybody has to make for their own or their family have to be based on some good evidence. And unfortunately, we don't have that available. And when we need desperate to, to get air testing quality, to get sand and the seafood for sure, because that's what people are still eating and consuming. Remember that just a week after the oil spill was capped, the government said it's okay to come back and to eat the seafood. I mean, it's like no-brainer to think after millions of gallons of oil in the Gulf the seafood is toxic. I mean, we don't even need to think about testing that. It's obvious that that huge amount of toxin in the, in the Gulf 
has created an environmental disaster. So uh, until further testing is available, I will strongly recommend not to consume any uh, seafood. And, and again, it's a personal decision. I'm just doing it on the best of advice for, for health to avoid it until better testing is available. Mary Lee Orr, in that area, as an advocate and seeing the problems that Captain Louis is up against, seeing these problems that Dr. Soto is up against, is there not an absolute and essential need for not only media affiliates in that whole region, but also the main media to start educating people as to the risks. Is that something that is working in your favor or is there a blackout, as it were, by the media on these points? David, first of all, I want to thank Dr. Soto and the captain for, for sharing all this information. They really are um, heroes here. But yes, absolutely, we need the media to get the information out. I mean, people did not know about the tests that we're taking. They don't know about what Dr. Soto has been doing tirelessly to help the people along the Gulf Coast. Um, it's unbelievable what's happening to us here. And yes, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, for lots of our folks to get the word out that they're sick. And we put out a human health impact fact sheet about dispersants and the sweet crude oil and everything that's listed there that you can get is what I'm hearing over the phone, which I'm sure Dr. Soto is hearing as well from patients. And, and really, I'm receiving calls on a daily basis, and I'm sure Dr. Soto is as well. And yes, I do not believe that the media is covering that and letting people know. Dr. Brian O'Leary had indicated there were possibly some 10,000 people in his area that had been affected by similar events. Have you estimated at this stage as to how many people could be affected by this in the entire region? No, David. Maybe Dr. Soto could help me with this. We're not really, quote, advertising that we're offering this testing of people's blood, but people are calling from Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, and they haven't talked to each other, but they're all suffering from similar health problems the captain has referred to. Like there's a young man who's 30 years old who's been working on the spill. He has blood coming from his ears, blood from his urine, terrible abdominal pains, terrible kidney pains. He actually lays in bed and cries himself to sleep. There's a scientist who did some diving. He wakes up with nosebleeds. He was a paramedic at one point. He takes his blood pressure. It's not his blood pressure. He's suffering from rectal bleeding. It could go on and on. Rashes, the abdominal gastrological problems you were talking about, Captain Louie, lots of folks have told us that some people are having what they call spontaneously vomiting. They can't control it. They just start to vomit. So I've been doing this a long time, and I have not heard this many people with this kind of exposure, and I'm concerned, like everyone here is, I think, on this talking today, that this is only going to increase. Dr. Soto is so right. We need to educate the doctors and also educate the people. They just announced that during spring break that all the young people could get in the water. You heard what Dr. Soto had to say about that. Dr. Soto, those conditions that have just been defined, citing several examples, including Captain Louie. I am not a medical doctor, but it would suggest to me that if there is blood coming from the ears and these stomach complaints, it has to be something fairly serious and long-term. Would you concur? I concur. I mean, it's, it's just a, a dramatic crying out loud of these people on the phone because I hear that they're suffering and they just nobody seems to be helping them. And as far as your question on estimate, you know, we're not only talking about hundreds of thousands of people that are already having symptoms but could potentially be seeing the tip of the iceberg here and we're talking about an entire population in the Gulf Coast states and maybe spreading further into the United States. So this is a, a huge issue that unless we do something sooner as a coalition or as, an, uh, as a group and community to really pass the word around, we're going to depend on the government to help us here. We have to improve the educational level and pass the information along in order for everybody to create an environment of their own so they can help and start a process of uh, whether it is uh, avoiding first and then detoxifying, of course, to prevent a major disaster that is already is as, as it is a major disaster, but this can get worse as the time goes on. 
And David, if I might interject something really quickly. Of course. Dr. Soto is a small minority of physicians who are educated to this problem. It is astonishing how many folks or general pr- practitioners will say, look, we didn't study this in medical school. We're really not trained to recognize these symptoms. So he is truly a jewel along the Gulf Coast. I appreciate that. It's true, Dr. Soto. We have a doctor helping us in Louisiana, and he hopes to talk with you soon because he's being overwhelmed by Native American communities, et cetera, who have been working on the spill and are coming up with all these health effects and would love to, to talk to you. Let me turn, if I may, to Dr. Brian O'Leary. Having listened to this, it is rather shocking, is it not? I'm sure that you see huge similarities with Ecuador. Are the social conditions, are the longer-term views that we see have potential here similar to those that you have in Ecuador? Well, absolutely, David. It, it, it's very clear to me that many of the health problems well, the health problems that happened here due to the contamination of the water supply and uh, environment in general were delayed. It was delayed by years, even in some cases decades. There are some people that are still ill and losing children in the area where the Chevron Texaco spill took place as far back as the 1970s. So we're talking about long-term effects here, and it is a shocking to just see the immediate symptoms of just a few months after the BP oil spill and to track this into the future to project, it's very scary and it's obviously something that needs to be attended to worldwide. The the entire question of using oil is is just a, a murderous approach to our energy use. It's way out of balance and so yes, I'm shocked and I'm my heart has, it goes out to you, you folks, uh, on the Gulf Coast. We need to work together on this on a global level. Captain Louis, can you paint a picture as to how the social structure, how your lives, how the lives of people in your area, how the livelihoods have changed since this occurred? I guess starting out would be chaos. Uh, it's still, uh, there's so much anger and uh, just frustration throughout the whole community, every community. Uh, I have contacts all the way in Florida myself. And, you know, I know commercial fishermen, charter fishermen in three, four different states. And it's just frustration because we, there was so much stuff that could have been done that wasn't done. There were so many products that could have been used that weren't used. But the products that were used, we, how could you say, I don't want to, come out, uh, I don't want to say it the wrong way, um, shouldn't have been used, put it that way. And uh, we're just all in dismay right now. We just don't know what's, what, what's, what's next, what's, you know, wh- where our lives are going to go. You know, uh, I'm out right now looking for a job myself. You know, I've been a captain for years, and I just don't know where to, what to do. In those communities, these people, your people who have lost their entire livelihoods, is there a sense of abandonment not only by BP and their affiliate companies, but also by the government? How do they feel about that? Totally. We are, it's to, I mean, that's, that's, you hit it, the nail on the head. Can't say any, any more than that. I mean, they just, they're not doing anything. Yes, they have places we can go for handouts. A lot of us, we, we're not looking for a handout. You know, like Mr. Uh, Haywood said, we want our lives back. That's what we would like to have back. We work for our money. We don't want anybody to give us anything. Now we've got health problems on top of employment problems, and that's, you know, it just it keeps mounting up. And, you know, before, i got friends that, you know, they, they, they're taking medication now for psychological problems on top of everything else because they just can't take it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really a horrible situation down here, and it's going to spread further. Hopefully the governments will step in and help us out. Captain Louis, what are the precise conditions that your children are experiencing at the moment? Well, my two-year-old has, uh, excuse me, man, it's, it's, it gets to, you know, it touches my heart, man. Um, she has stomach problems, and... Um, different problems with her, you know, going to the bathroom between, they can't pinpoint constipation. They didn't try different antibiotics. She takes uh, 
different medicines during the day. She's two years old. At night to go to sleep, she crosses her legs and kind of rocks back and forth in her bed. And we, she, they can't figure out why. And she's just uncomfortable. She barely sleeps at night. And uh, and she never had anything like this before. You know, she's only two. She's only been in the world, you know, a couple of years. And my three-year-old, steady flu-like symptoms. She was healthy. Both my girls were healthy before this. And it's just frustrating, you know. And the doctors are doing everything they can. You know, I really do appreciate Dr. Soto, you know, voicing and speaking out and, you know, you know, helping us out. And, you know, there is a need for some, you know, doctors to be educated on this. But the scary part is I don't know what's wrong. We don't, I mean, that's the whole thing. I don't know what it is. But they, they just, they're in constant pain. They have different things every morning. They wake up saying ailments. It, it, it's unheard of for kids their age to be, you know, in that kind of comfort. You know, my wife, she's been having different symptoms as well. Um, with her uh, women, you know, with um, menstrual problems and everything and just different things that are coming about on a daily basis that we can't account for. We don't know why. Now, is this commonplace with your friends, with people in the community? After we spoke, you know, at first we weren't really talking to anybody about it because, you know, we weren't going anywhere. The whole month of December, we didn't leave our house. We Christmas was at home with just my wife and kids because we were sick didn't know what you know we didn't know if it's contagious or what have you same thing with new year's you know for the whole month of december and two weeks january we, we couldn't do anything we didn't know what to do we didn't know if we were contagious or what have you so we felt we were isolated from everybody we call people on the phone they they doing the same thing because they don't know what they have and it's all people that were either staying in certain places during the spill that were living in certain areas or they had something, you know, and that's the, that's, that's the whole take on this. It's just we don't know what to do, and we don't know what, it, what it's like a silent killer, in other words. Dr. Soto, this clearly is a very serious problem here. What are the solutions in your world? Is this whole area under a state of emergency? Is there any recognition of these deep-seated problems by local government and federal government or are you very much on your own in trying to figure out what the exact solutions are what the problems are is this something that indeed has come from the chemicals in the oil or other what are your thoughts on that yeah there is no question david that this is from the chemicals from the oil. I mean, the pattern comes every day, the same things, bleeding, skin lesions, respiratory, cerebral brain disorders, immune system, and gastrointestinal. It's like, you know, now it's a classic description. Everybody's going through the same process. So it's, it takes not a rocket scientist to tell you that it's, you know, no question that this is coming from the oil spill. And so what we need to do, of course, is to uh, do an assessment at a community-wise in order to offer the best interve interventions for these individuals. I call myself the health department to notify of this pattern. And I've been testing a lot of individuals, and you see high levels of volatile solvents, but they basically didn't pay attention to what I have to say. And so, you know, yeah, we feel isolated into in the impact that we can have on, on these individuals because uh, a lot of them may not have a lot of resources to go through the whole process that takes not only to avoid the chemicals or the exposures, but then we have to start from scratch into optimizing their nutrition, their GI systems, their immune systems, optimizing their uh, nutritional status with different uh, natural ways. And so it, it doesn't just take a prescription drug to remove the symptoms, but rather an entire comprehensive assessment and process that has to be done well in order to give them uh, a hope to remove these chemicals for the body and optimize and improve their quality of life. Given Captain Louis's conditions, what is your immediate thoughts on how he can move forward, particularly with his children with this? Where could he receive more definitive action, more definitive results? Well, you know, he, he, I, will, you know I feel his, his pain because I have a two-year-old as well. And I couldn't imagine seeing my two-year-old daughter going through this pain and, and discomfort and all of that. 
And what I would advise for him is to get some help from a holistic doctor like myself. And there are few of them around, but they are available. And that way, at least he can get started into the process. But otherwise, unfortunately, the conventional system is not going to offer him any solutions and rather it could cause even more harm by prescribing drugs or antibiotics that are not necessary. You know, you have to look at their nutrition. I have to look at their, the water they drink and the environmental chemicals they might be exposed in the house and avoidance of the beaches or seafood and all of that and, and see whether some practitioner who has a better knowledge can really assess the entire family and, and give them some safer options to start the detoxification process. Well, perhaps as in life, it's always good to start somewhere. Maybe we can collectively try and help him. That could be a good starting point. Perhaps we could all collectively try to do that after this program. Meanwhile, Mary Lee Orr, your thoughts as we close to the end of the program, it appears that the medical community have their hands tied. What are your immediate directives now moving forward and what are you asking people outside of that area to consider? What should they be doing? Well, I think to echo what Dr. Soto said, one, we need to let people know what's happening and get people some medical help. First of all, I think one thing we didn't talk about really was this test for the volatile solvents, the whole blood test that Dr. Soto does, where people can actually see what is happening in their body. Then the next step is when they find out we've had a three-year-old that has similar symptoms, Captain Louie, to what your daughter has, and then we're recommending that they go through a comprehensive holistic detox program. There, besides Dr. Soto, there, he's right, there's very few other physicians along the Gulf that offer any sort of approach such as that, but there is an organization called Serving Those Who Serve out of New York who helped the 9-11 folks who worked at Ground Zero, and they are offering a detox program to our folks who don't have insurance and don't have the resources perhaps to be able to travel to some of the few physicians that are available, and we're very hopeful about that, and they started to take advantage of that, and um, it is very scary, though. I will echo Dr. Leary. It is a very scary situation to hear one, we've had some fishermen kill themselves because of the stress of this, to hear the, the physical symptoms that are coming from the children, the families, how it affects the entire family. We desperately need other people to know and help us. And it's ironic that a small nonprofit like Lean, a handful of one or two physicians are, are doing this testing. We need some help. For instance, we're paying for the folks that we are seeing for their blood tests because they can't afford to do it so they can have an idea of what their choice needs to be to move forward to get healthier. Mary Lee, or as far as BP is concerned, what would your desire be as far as them stepping back into this and taking some positive action? Well, I think there should be medical help provided to the folks. I think that coastal communities should be made whole again. They should be committed to cleaning up and restoring the Gulf, really restoring the Gulf. The oil is still here. The people are still here. We need to hold BP accountable. We need to have local people participating in the decision-making. This, this hasn't gone away. I mean, what I hear most is people say, oh, everything's okay down there, right? Everything's taken care of. BP's paid all the fishermen. What a, what a joke, right, Captain Louie? Everybody's gotten paid. Everybody's okay. Well, we're not all right. The oil is still here. Not only that, it's compounded by having these very severe medical problems that seem to be compounding daily. It's really a unprecedented is the right word to use, but we're very resilient and very hardworking people here. As Dr. As Captain Louie was saying, they, they want to be able to make a living, but they have to be able to be safe going out in the water or if they're doing any sort of cleanup. So we've got a lot of work to do, and we hope that folks who listen to this will be willing to perhaps to help the people along the Gulf Coast because I believe this is we're like the canaries in the coal mine. What's happening here could happen someplace else, and we need to learn some really important lessons. Dr. Soto, what would it take an MD to learn the detox technique? Well, we have the uh, basic knowledge in medical school for sure and the basic sciences. It, it may be a matter just to uh, refresh in some of the actual clinical applications and to optimize this uh, on, on actual having results, which unfortunately is not just a doctor's training issue, but it's also a system problem. 
if you look at the system, how it's structured with insurances and diseases or disease-oriented system, they may, there's nothing like it calls for detoxifying the body on a regular basis. So beyond the doctors, you know, the system itself offers some challenges to approach, even if the doctors have the knowledge and how they can be offered to a widespread population. So we have to look at not only in the doctor's side, but we have to look at the system-wide how we can optimize that in order to prevent blockages because if the insurance don't cover or the uh, billing code is not available for a particular process, it's not offered at all and the doctors get a hands tie. Uh, so we're facing a lot of challenges in this regard, not only from training but also from implementing even after the training has been done. I think doctors have the knowledge to uh, hopefully embrace this and be able to, to help their patients, but there are other challenges that I have to face as well. Dr. Soto, what is your intention that you're going to set today and inspiration for where we can take this and how we can once again return this whole community and area back to health? I think we need to unite everybody. We need not to point fingers, but rather to get together in a way that we can spread information. It's going to be our stronger point, our really strength to give this the word out there. Since the media can do it, we can do it. And now we have a world of Facebook and different other networking abilities. So we need to pass the word around. We need to educate. We need to inform. We really need to let the people learn about this, learn the truth, what's going on here, without being afraid of getting hurt or in any way minimized. So that will be my message, and I advocate education as the number one resource to optimize our health in general, certainly to avoid all these toxins and improve people's health to get the water around. And Mary Lee, your, your response to that? Well, I echo what Dr. Soto said, but we're going to continue to sample the seafood to see if it's safe. We're going to continue to have people's folks blood tested and help guide them to the detox program, what they can do to help make their lives better. And thank you so much for letting us share. And education is the key, and talking to each other is very important. So this has been wonderful to be able to, sh to share with everyone today. And Captain Louis, your final thoughts today? I'm back there 100% on the education. No finger pointing. God bless y'all for stepping forward, and God bless the Gulf Coast. And Dr. Brian O'Leary, as we complete the program, what are your final thoughts today? Well, it's interesting how our group mind works because I was going to say education. That's the first step in any process on this. And I'm so glad to hear that we're all in agreement about that, that, that we, we need to, to do both as, as detoxing is very important. I had a heart attack last August and I've been detoxing ever since and living a very healthy lifestyle. And boy, does that make a big difference? And uh, I, I just strongly encourage you to keep, keep the good work up, Dr. Soto. And the other thing is, in terms of education, if we go further back in the causal chain, we begin to see the situation becoming more and more serious globally, that the BP oil spill in the Gulf is just but the latest great indignity in, in humanity uh, foisted upon us. If we can now begin to globally relate these to uh, insist through some of the democratic movements that are going on now to insist that our energy sources be clean and that we and in the process of education there are some wonderful films out very educational there's one called crude which is all about the Chevron Texaco Ecuadorian oil spill back in the 1970s and then there's also a new movie coming out pretty soon called Yasuni, Two Seconds for Life, which is a, a movie all about the threatened uh, rainforest because of oil drilling that they're planning to do to a large extent. There are many, many others. I hope, I'm sure there'll be a good documentary out on the BP oil spill. People need to really awaken here. And to the extent that more and more people can do that, is that means sooner that we'll be able to develop truly clean breakthrough energy for the future. And for that, of course, we need a new governance system. We need to fire just about everybody that's in government these days, I'm sorry to say, because there's no vision. There's a kowtowing to the corporate vested interests, which are so totally polluting and ruining our, our precious planet. 
And as we complete this program, I would like to thank everybody today. The intention of crossing over the bridge, as Professor Bill Tiller talks about continuing the pressure as a laser beam, and we shall continue to do this. And Dr. Brian O'Leary, Dr. Soto, Mary Lee Orr, and Captain Louie, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. And to our listeners today, I do hope that you enjoyed this program as much as I. You can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com.